Welcome to Screen Time with Rowan Roper. I'm Richard Roper, and this episode is from the archives to be rebooted for listeners that might have missed it in the past or maybe just want to hear it again. In case you missed this episode, follow us on our social media channels listed in the description so you don't miss out on brand new episodes in the future. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Richard Roper, and we'll catch you in the next future episode. Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. Football is back in America. <laughs> With people in the stands. Uh, it's the best. It may be a super spreader event, but it's the best super spreader event. We'll talk all about that, plus what to watch and what not to watch this upcoming weekend. We'll get you hip to all that, but first we must tell you this, that... Ron Roper Podcast. Screen Time is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing to drive your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. So football is back in a big way. You know, at the outset of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, Roe and I talked about how they were televising sports. With baseball, they were doing, remember, they, it seems like ancient history now, but in baseball, they were doing the cardboard cutouts, and you could buy one, a likeness of yourself, you know, to be in the stands. <laughs> and then Fox was doing a weird thing with virtual fans, but sometimes they'd cut to a different shot, and the virtual fans looked like they weren't there anymore. Uh, for a lot of sports, they were pumping in crowd noise, which yeah. I found to be particularly obnoxious. It never really worked. The announcers weren't in the stadiums. And, and then we started to get into a part of the year and the season where they could have, you know, some stadiums, they were completely empty. But other places could have 25%. And then there were certain bastions where they're like, ah, hell, just go on in there and give yourself a goddamn virus. And they just would <laughs> fill up the stadiums. But now... For 2021, for college and the pros, we're back to full capacity. Yes, beyond full capacity. Jeez. I mean, it's 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 something that's screaming and yelling. It's, it's actually going to put to the test all the theories about <laughs> this particular virus and, you know, whether or not people are going to get sick after the, the two vaccines, if they got the two vaccines or the one or whatever it is, because everyone is now exposed and no matter where you go just a side here side mention here mm. uh, about the virus and all the things that are happening we're over it as a country we're just done and it doesn't matter i went to a stadium over the weekend to go see the white Sox play the boston red Sox here mm. in chicago and i forgot my mask huh? now i'm thinking can i go into the stadium without a mask I don't know because I know that you have to go in. Like, there's certain parts you have to go inside, right. and I'm sitting there thinking, if if I were a street vendor, I'd be selling masks right now. I'd say yeah. stadium instead of like <laughs> instead you know of the peanut bags <laughs> and, the, and the bottled water. Yeah, exactly. So, although we have to tell the story very fast as well because this is such a great South Side thing, and I'm sure it's not the only stadium in the country. But you and I went to a game a couple of Friday nights ago, and as you're walking to the stadium, whether it's football or basketball, baseball, hockey, as most folks know, you see a lot of vendors out there. They got knockoff T-shirts, they got bottles of water, they got bags of peanuts. Nobody gets hurt. It's like, hey, get it before you can't bring it into the stadium, but if you want to get a quick you know, bottle of water on a hot day. There's a whole stretch of vendors on your way into the White Sox game that are selling Mike's Hard Lemonade, mm -hmm. Paps Blue Ribbon, 
Airplane bottles of liquor. I mean, it's insane. 312, Goose Island, you name it, they got it. You could get hammered before you ever got to the entrance there. So very handy. Not at all legal, but who cares? Why not? I kind of wonder where they're getting the little airplane bottles. That was the one that we were just going like, what? It's not legal to sell those. There was a guy that had it. No, you can't, right? I mean, not even in the liquor stores because they don't want to encourage that kind of, you know, sad, kind of hard drinking, you know, buck 50 alcoholic kind of binge. There was a guy that had a a, a canister thingy of Jägermeister that you could tap into a plastic cup and get like two (laughs) ounces for five bucks. <laughs> it was. Oh, it is, people man. are ingenious. That is all I want to say. Anyway, so I'm yeah. walking in the okay, stadium. So I'm thinking, uh oh, am I going to get stopped? Am I going to get stopped? I don't have a mask. And everybody in the line, you know, kind of had a mask. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a problem. And then I get right up there, and I just kind of like, and I look at, and they go, no, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. You walk right in. Then I spilled something on my shirt, Jeez. and I had to go buy a shirt in the gift shop. <laughs> what is wrong? Well, you, the you game hadn't even it. started yet. No, it, it looked bad. It was bad. It was. Uh, I mean, like literally a mustard kind of a thing. No, it yeah. was. It was. You know what it was? It was Italian beef. Ah, and it was. Oh, I got it wet. You got it with the wet, the yeah. gravy, and the juice and everything. Yeah, yeah, I got all over my shirt, and it. And it literally, while I was walking back, yeah, spilled you, on me the whole thing. So I decided I have to go in the store. Well, they stopped me at the store. They're like, you cannot come in store, here. Store, you got to have a mask without a mask. Ah, so what did you like, do? I don't have a mask. Uh-huh. Go to guest relations. Ah. They will give you one mask for free per game. Oh, only one per customer with a coupon. So I step up to guest relations, oh, and the very nice lady at Guaranteed Rate Field yeah. says to me, oh, you spilled. Ah. I said, yeah, I need to go in the store. She goes, here's a mask. Take as many as you want. Oh, that was nice Yes, that was. Well, it, it, that's the thing, too. We're in this this phase where why do you have to wear a mask to go into the gift shop? You know, I guess because it's an enclosed space, but you've just been with 39,000 unmasked people. <laughs> I'm screaming at and you. And then, the, you know, the beer vendors working the stands have a mask or behind the counter that are pouring the beers or giving you the hot dog, but you're not wearing a mask. And we're seeing this. I mean, we're, listen, we're, in, we're, we're here to talk about sports, but you see this even in the restaurants now. you got to wear a mask to walk in, but then as soon as you, you're seated, you take right. it off. So that's all for show. I'm with you. I hope people, if you feel more comfortable, wear a mask. But obviously... These and I don't blame them. These 18, 19, 20 year old college kids, you know, they they're all swaying back and forth in the stands and they're writing, you know, the letters of their schools on their bare chests, and that's just for the boys. The girls can't do that. Um, take that out, please. Sexist. Um But you know, they're 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 there to enjoy the game. And the it, ironically, I guess the players and the coaches are still under much stricter protocol testing and both the college and the pro level yeah. you will and we've had baseball pitchers and, and, and players who have been sidelined because of you know uh, covid protocol even as nobody in the stands has to answer to that so it's a mixed bag but as you said in a lot of ways and this is not to minimize what's happening with the delta variant and there's all kinds of other you know problems the truth is that most americans are like we're going to go to our sporting events yeah now. and the teams are the same same way so we are seeing it and the truth is uh it does make for much more compelling television. Uh, we just had a, uh, the anniversary of the September 11th, a weekend series between the Yankees and the Mets, uh, and it was very emotional. And, of course, there were all kinds of first responders and all sorts of tributes to the players and the coaches. And then they even got in kind of a fight, which reminds us it's still baseball. But, you know, obviously this <laughs> Kind the, of ironic, though, yeah, isn't it? Well, you know, sort that, of sad. as you mentioned, you know, we don't get along for that long no matter what. Next right. thing you know, Giancarlo Stanton's yelling at Francisco Lindor and, you know, making all sorts of gestures. But that's a side thing. 
but you know, it was there was a lot there was a lot of beauty in in the tributes over the yeah. weekend in both base, baseball and football, and then the good old fashioned just craziness of yep. college football and pro football of the jam packed stadiums. Whether you were watching, you know, the Chiefs and the Browns was an amazing game in yes. Kansas City, and they have. They always have had an amazing fan base, but the, you know, then you have these teams that kind of travel a little, you know, bit as well. Now, I, I hate to bring this up to you because your beloved Ohio State Buckeyes mm-hmm. uh, were defeated by Oregon. I Oregon's did not t- hear that. Did, yeah. that. did that happen? Yeah, and Oregon is a tough team as well. But you know, the, yeah. the Buckeyes Why are you bringing were, this up to me. Well, because because it was interesting. Because of course, you know, that you, you saw this. What do they call that? The shoe, the horseshoe. Yes, the shoe. So I saw the. I, I was trying to figure out what these nitwits were doing, and then I realized it was because because <laughs> because they're all holding their sh- one shoe up, like they're going to throw <laughs> it at President George W. Bush, and then I realized, oh, because they're in the shoe. Yeah, and I wonder how many times that happens, and someone like gets a shoe knocked out of their hand, and then they're like, "You going to guest services? Ah, you lost a shoe. What are you size ten? Like you're at a bowling alley, right?" But then there's that one little section for the visiting team. There's always maybe yeah. what a thousand seats or something, and they're all in the, in the green. But it's still, and again, I know this is painful for you, but it was really cool. Like when Oregon would score a touchdown, because the player would run to that corner of the end zone to those thousand fans, and you know, and they don't, you know, they kind of do kind of a modified Lambo leap, all the sort of things you couldn't do last do year the because fans there's nobody in the stands. At Oregon, have to have different clothes for every game. Yes, too? they do. They're very like you know lime green, and there's like superhero like. They always look like they're the Avengers. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it's very weird. I don't want to talk about that game anymore, but that's okay. You know, we'll take a year <laughs> off of going to the playoffs because every time Ohio State goes to the playoffs, they there's some sort of it's a conspiracy of some sort, mm-hmm. and everybody gets mad about it. So this year they're going to take a little. It, they're going to go to the Rose Bowl instead. That's just the way it's, it's like going the old to be. Days. Yeah, exactly. When Rex Kern was the quarterback for the Buckeyes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wow. You know, Archie Griffin, the only man to win two Heisman oh, trophies. Yeah. Is he in that Heisman house? Two. Yes, he is, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's nice. All right. Anyway, we digress. Football in the NFL is back, and the yeah. NFL also seems to be sort of like, hey, it's Jerry's world. Literally, it's Jerry's world, right? <laughs> it is just sort of like we'll do whatever we want, and and you know if you if you get it, you get it. You don't get it, you don't get it. If you've been vaccinated, you're probably going to be fine. That's the way I think everybody's looking at this. And if you haven't been vaccinated and you get it, it could be you know quite serious, and you should be aware of that. So you might want to consider that because here's one of the things. I'm sorry, I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here for a second. You know, is it like the milk crate challenge? You're going to get on the soapbox? Yes. Don't tip it's over. a soap box challenge okay. for me <laughs> i just i want to ask the people who are like oh i'm not going to get vaccinated yeah. but if they get sick they go to the hospital so they yeah. trust yeah. the doctors at the hospital but they don't trust the medical science behind the vaccine but that is a whole other thing and that and the fact that people are taking all sorts of things that are intended to get worms from the butts of horses <laughs> and, you know it's true and that, that, that but that, that's we we digress i want to ask you something i want to talk about, about some certain college football traditions but i also want to first start by asking you about pro football first of all in in both sports the cameras now they have like these drone cameras and stuff it, i mean it feels like it's 3d it's yes. incredible they they've changed i looked this up yesterday because i noticed it in all the games yeah they have a guy with a camera technology. It's not really a, a brand new camera technology. It's been mm-hmm. around for a while, but it looks like one of those standard like Canon SLR cameras. Yes, it's got a really high end lens on it, and they go up and they focus it in a way so that they're sitting with this beautiful, the most vibrant colors yeah. of you know of the 
sun dappling down on you know whether it was like Kansas City's uniform or mm-hmm. Cleveland's uniform or whatever, and then and then the backdrop is all completely blurry. It's cinematic. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. it's amazing, and you feel like the you know it, especially they'll do it like before a kickoff, and the the one player, the returner, alone in the end zone, and it looks like he's in yeah a Marvel movie. It is it is beautiful. It's poetic. Here's the other thing though I was thinking about Ro because. It seems as if with college football, and there are a lot of terrific announcing teams, but there was a time where, like, Keith Jackson was the voice of college football, right? Mm-hmm. And Brent Musburger would, you know, call a lot of games and things like that. It, it seems to me, no disrespect, that it doesn't matter as much who's calling the college games. There's There are dozens of competent, you know, terrific announcers. But it's the pro game that gets people worked up. It's the NFL telecasts. Where you just know when certain teams are broadcasting the games, that Twitter is going to go nuts. They're, you know, and, and it's, sometimes it's because everybody loves these guys. In the case of Joe Buck, it's not usually that. I don't. And, and of course, <laughs> I he think does. Joe base- Buck does a very fine, and he job. does baseball as well. I think. Yeah. I think he's great at baseball. But there's something about him that drives people nuts. A certain, and he's acknowledged that that there's something about his personality. I don't know what it is. He has a punchable voice. Yeah, I very think punchable the voice. Uh, yeah. To paraphrase Colin Jost. Um, and well, and you know, to his credit, Joe Buck wrote a book about how he um, had so many hair transplants that it actually affected his vocal cords. Believe it or not, you know, because <laughs> of vanity. That, but... Yeah, it's a crazy thing. Yeah. Uh, but and he's very aware of the fact that people are like, oh, his father was Jack Buck. Look, this guy has earned his bones, you know, through the oh, years. Oh, he's great. But I think there's a next level. Well, I, I think probably. The most unassailable vo- one would be Al Michaels. I mean, Al Michaels is a legend, right? right. And he does, uh, what is it, Sunday Night Football now? Yes. Chris Collinsworth, I like a lot. Some people think, you know, there's people out there doing, like, imitations of him and stuff because he gets so excited. But first of all, he was a hell of a receiver for the Bengals. Right. He knows the game. And he's great, and he tells you things. You learn something new from him every time. Yeah, and I love his enthusiasm because he'll find, you know, he'll pick out somebody, you know, that's a second tier receiver and say, "Listen, this, I've been watching this guy in workouts. He's going to really be something this year." Or, and he'll also call out yeah. guys who and are call out guys dogging and or whatever. Say, yeah, you know, like he, like he, you know, uh, with the with the Bears Rams game, he was mentioning. how <laughs> You got to bring that up now too, don't yeah, you? Yeah, now sorry, I bring yeah. That up. But yeah. he was mentioning how you know some of the guys, you know, the the huge names. Uh, we're not getting their number called, you know, Khalil Mack, et cetera. And, and Al Michaels is, you know, just a Hall of Famer in any sport. I mean, you're going all the way back to the Miracle on Ice and before right. that. Uh, I think Jim Nance is about as good as it gets. Uh, Tony Romo is another guy, his partner, right? Yep. Who, when Tony Romo first came aboard, because he really was catapulted to first string fast. And, you know, as a Cowboys quarterback, he had a lot of talent, but never quite got them to the promised land. I think people were kind of surprised that he was so funny. And that he had such you know interesting observations, and at first people were like, "Oh my God, Tony Romo! He looks like Paul Rudd, and he kind of has the same sense of humor." <laughs> and now there's this kind of backlash where people are like, "Hey, Tony, what about the game? You know, he's doing imitations uh, or whatever." You know yeah. what? I think that's the best team in football right now really? for yeah. broadcast because you got Jim Nance, who is like, you know, he's Velvet Fog. Yeah, I just to steal you know, a nickname. He's the guy. If you were going to do a movie about a football team, you'd have him in the booth. Yeah. You know, if you want, if it was a serious movie about an NFL team. And it, it, every time I hear his voice, I just think about the Masters because that's all I can think. Is he got that yeah, very? Yeah. It's just so good. So yeah. it, it, it it makes you feel good. The same way that Pat Summerall, when we were kids, used to make me feel good. Yeah. When I'd hear Pat Summerall's voice, I would think, okay, that's going to be fried chicken, mashed potatoes. It's going to be Sunday yeah. night dinner. It's going to be you know whatever it's going to be, and that's and it made me feel good. And the the Giants against the Cowboys, right? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With all of his list of, of alcoholic partners throughout the years. 
<laughs> anyway, I don't want to give bad name to alcoholics. The problem that we have now is that the Twitter sphere just wants to take anybody out yeah. who's talented. Again, I talked about this in the last podcast. It drives me nuts that you can't be good at something or you can't be entertaining at something without somebody deciding they hate you because you're better than they are or whatever that chosen thing is. And Tony Romo, again, not the best quarterback in the NFL, but a very serviceable quarterback in, oh, yeah. in his career. And he had a couple of amazing moments. But now, as a guy who can actually teach you something while you're watching the game, and he's very good at predicting the plays that are about to yeah. about to happen, and he sees the setups. He's reading the defense, and he's thinking what the quarterback is thinking at that moment, and it's pretty cool to listen to him. I just think that's a really good television show. I agree. I, I think, you know, and really, there are very few that I don't really get irritated by these announcers. I think people are, are spoiling for a fight. And in a lot of cases, once we get to the World Series, okay, let's say the Yankees are playing the Dodgers. Half of the fans are going to say that the announcers are biased for the Dodgers. The other half are going to be for the Yankees. Whichever team you have, you're like, oh, my God, it's so obvious. They're rooting for the Dodgers, you know. And, and, know and again, Joe Buck gets that a lot. Yeah. He'll, you know, he'll get excited about a home run and people say, oh, listen to his enthusiasm. Well, yeah, you know, he's calling the World Series. It's called you broadcasting. Know? Yeah, You're supposed to be enthusiastic because if you're not enthusiastic, why would anybody watch? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the point of this. It is such an underrated skill mm-hmm. to be a, a play-by-play guy. It's really, really hard, and the best are the best. And, and there are some guys that you know have been traveling the country for years who are really, really good who can't catch on with teams. Because once, once you lock in with a team, you mentioned college football, for example. Well, the reason that the college football announcing teams aren't the same, they don't have the same uh, cachet that they once had, is because there are literally 100 college football games you can watch yeah, between that's true. Friday be five. and Saturday, yeah, right? that's or very true. Actually, between the middle of the week, they yeah. start now, yeah. almost every day of the week. So you've got a lot of you got a lot of teams, a lot of broadcast teams that have to go out and do these games, and sometimes you'll hear ascendant voices in them. Yeah. The voice of the Chicago White Sox, for example, Jason Benetti, is calling football, college, yeah. Yeah. is calling college football, and what he does in that is miraculous. He's he's one of those guys who's going to be really he's ascendant. Done, he's done uh, basketball games. He did the Olympics. Uh, and Jason, that you mentioned that too, is interesting because, and he's a youngish guy, but you know he did his stint in the minors just like players do. He broadcast you know yeah. Class A baseball, and a lot of these announcers same thing. The other did you know small time college football. It's a little different as we mentioned in the pros because if you were a pro football star, Randy Moss did not have to cover the Canadian Football League before he got a job. But those studio <laughs> jobs, all due respect to those guys, those are pretty easy. You got four big dudes, you got one professional broadcaster, and a bunch of ex-players, most of them Hall of Fame caliber, and they're bantering and bickering, and oh, who's going to win? And then they throw the football back and forth, and look at the size of my suit. Well, my suit's even bigger, because I'm bigger than you are, and it's, it's a pretty easy gig, quite frankly. You know, uh, Terry Bradshaw, I love Terry. He not spending five days studying the reports like Al Michaels and Bob Costas do before a game. That's true. That's true. I'm always wondering if someone's going to lose an eye uh, during one of the other guys on the desk taking a deep breath because the button's going to go flying right off that suit. One of the 100 buttons on some of the suits go right across the guy's eye. That's it. You're done. It is. It's funny, though. Now, you've noticed that it used to be just two people in the studio or maybe three people in the studio. Now it's like six people on the desk. They basically have a full offensive line 
on yeah. the desk. And they have like a, a glorified man cave, either like a five-yard football field or a mini baseball diamond <laughs> in their suits, and then they can demonstrate oh, while he's oh, throwing the, the breaking thing ball. Ever. Yeah. yeah, that's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> they should just sit at that thing. But <laughs> in COVID, then they would have to distance. You know, they'd all have to be in some different space or whatever. I'll tell you, and you <laughs> want to talk about the the best like pre-game and, and during the show, during – you want to talk about the best pregame and postgame? I still, I still think that NBC does an amazing job with Sunday Night Football. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be this great because remember, Sunday Night Football used to be on ESPN and nobody gave a crap about it. Yeah, and Monday Night Football was the thing. What NBC did with Sunday Night Football and the way that that production is put together is really great. It's an hour and a half roll up to get to it, but it's it is it's Pretty super cool. cool. Yeah. I still think that Fox does a much better job than CBS because the guys on the CBS set clearly do not like each other. You get that sense. And, yeah. and if they do like each other, they should be brought into some manager's office and told, act like you like each other. Cause you could tell. It's pretty dry compared to, and we mentioned, you know, Terry Bradshaw, you know, Howie Long's a great personality. I mean, he, and these guys who were, you know, first ballot hall of famers, right. but are really funny and yeah, you know, like like in between their segments, they're all sitting in big leather chairs. They're watching the game, and you know whether or not they're hanging out all the time in real life. They certainly come across that way. You know, yeah. there's a lot of mutual nice respect, job. but also just you know they ha- they're having a good time. Yes, so I, I give it to them. I also like the ESPN College Game Day, although Fox now has its version of that, yeah. which is pretty good, but. The ESPN College ESPN Game Day first. is, and they're so great at doing those packages that get you ready yeah. for. The, they'll they'll tell some some tear jerking story about you know one player and his family, or you know something that about a guy who's achieved this triumph that no one expected him to. Yeah. There's always that kind of thing that comes along, and then it gets you ready for the entire slate of games, even games that they may not even be. Yeah, coming. well, and it's also a cool thing. Obviously, they go to Ohio State, they go to Florida, they go to Alabama, but sometimes they'll go to Grambling. Or they'll go to University of, you know, Southern something or another, you know, and it's a big, big deal there for them to come there. I do worry that there's going to come a time when Lee Corso puts on one of those big, giant mascot heads and just tipples over. I I worry about that because he's getting smaller and smaller and the mascot heads are getting bigger and bigger. And I just don't. I hope they've got spotters. He's the best. I love, love, love Lee Corso. All right. We'll tell you what to watch, what not to watch. But first, let me tell you this. Portillo's. They are our fine sponsor, known for their famous Chicago hot dogs, fresh, tasty ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun, and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. And I always tell you about the chocolate cake. Can I say something else now since I, I had to mention Italian beef? Yes. Or beef, as we just say in Chicago. On your shirt. Yeah. Uh, theirs, I think, is the finest in Chicago. It's great. I, and we're a town that, you know, it's like pizza and Italian beef. They're, they're literally fights will break out in the street if somebody says the wrong thing. I like Bona. No, I like Portillo's. You know, yeah, I like yeah, Al's. Yeah. Everybody's fighting. And Jay Leno comes in. He goes to one that nobody yeah, else goes e. to. Ah, yeah. yeah. So I just want to tell you, if you want great and particularly delicious food in a fast, casual environment, Portillo's is your answer. If you live in the Midwest, you live in Florida, you live in California or Arizona, you can drive to it. Everywhere else, you can order on the internet. You can get stuff frozen and sent to you, and you can get the chocolate cake sent to you. Go to portillos.com, P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. What shall we not watch? 
Yeah, we'll start off with the negative because that's how we do it here. But we got some good stuff coming up as well here on Screen Time. Uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. I don't know if you're familiar with Nicolas Cage. He does the occasional movie. <laughs> uh, about once every month. And, uh, you know, we had a, a, a short uh, summer hiatus. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. I want to mention a movie called Pig that Nicolas Cage was in about a month and a half ago, row, which is actually a great film. Believe it or not, he plays... Uh, a former chef who now has a truffle pig, a pig that specializes in finding those gourmet yep. truffles, right, in, in the woods. And it's an amazing story of redemption, and it goes in very uh, strange directions. But it's a serious drama. I think it's worthy of an Academy Award nomination, Nicolas Cage, in the movie Pig. It's a strange title, but it's because he has this beloved pig who gets kidnapped. And as people who have had pigs, whether for truffle hunting or, you know, pot-bellied pigs will tell you they're incredibly smart loyal and uh when his pig gets kidnapped the sound that pig makes and that you just want those meth heads who kidnapped that pig to meet an untimely end it's very very moving and i won't say anything more about it other than you can get that movie now on demand it did play in theaters called pig this movie is called prisoners of the ghost land and it goes back to the nicholas cage let's cash a paycheck genre mm -hmm. this is set uh in the in the post-apocalyptic future i don't think there are any other futures in the movies other than <laughs> post-apocalyptic it's a uh, wow. samurai western oh so he plays a guy who's in this uh in this strange weird kind of mad max world uh he's been in prison because he was part of a bank robbery where several people were shot up now He's brought out of the jail, and he's told, if you go out there into the ghost land, the vast wasteland that where horrible things happen, very Mad Max-like, very Escape from New York, and rescue the granddaughter of the town sheriff, you'll be free. You know, just sort of like the Suicide Squad. If you, if you perform, or the Dirty Dozen, you know, here's right. your chance as a convict to rescue someone. But just so he won't go off the grid, they outfit him with a big leather outfit with samurai swords but it also has sensors around his neck and on his arms and on his testicular area oh boy. Yeah. and there's a little yeah. device and if he oh, has uh if he tries oh, to escape oh, one of the devices oh, will go off oh. if he has impure thoughts about oh. the woman he's trying to save guess what oh no balls up <laughs> uh and these are just the beginning notes of this batshit crazy movie. And it's got all these cool set designs and costumes and stuff. And he gets a chance to go way over the top. But it's just, you know, very, very visually interesting crap. Mm -hmm. So Prisoners of the Ghostland is an avoider. Avoid that. Uh, you know, and Nicolas Cage has been on our radio show a number of times. Yeah. He, is... I think he called once when we didn't even know he was calling. Yeah, that is true. And... I adore him. Yeah. I, I personally know. adore him. But I have always wondered, and I know he had some financial issues, yeah. uh, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was, and he had to make a bunch of movies to yeah. pay that off. But I think what happened was he was making so many movies, working so much, that he thought, well, this is kind of a bit. I could do I, this. I agree. I think he's actually, and almost all of these films, including this one, uh, you know, it is it is a very interesting looking film, and it's way, way out there. I think he's looking to carve out if he's going to do, you know, Bruce Willis, who I, you know, used to love his movies as well. Bruce Willis just keeps playing either a cop or a former military guy or a bank robber in B movie after B movie. They're very standard issue. There's nothing that interesting about them. Nicolas Cage is taking on some of the craziest scripts in the world, you know, and some of them work, some of them don't, but I think they keep him interested. It is kind of a, I did see recently his old pet, uh, pal, Sean Penn. They've known each other since they were teenagers. Mm -hmm. And Sean Penn says, I love him 
Uh, he was once a great actor. He's now not an actor. He's a performer. And I don't think I don't think Nicolas Cage would be insulted by that. I think he'd be like, "Yeah, I am a performer." Right. You know? He just goes out and did whatever horse crap he's handed on the page. He just kind of makes something just, work. Yeah, I, I think he wants to be interested and stimulated. Yeah, yeah, and he wants to work for six weeks at a time because you're just yeah. getting that. And he and he just he must constantly be booking these movies, and you know they're short production schedules because you look at the movie and you can tell. This is yeah. not yeah. in this case. It's like you know this one. You know it's filming in Japan and Tokyo, and I think. I think Nicolas Cage, if he wanted to, could do National Treasure 7, 8, 9 commercial franchises. He could certainly do like a True Detective yeah. or a Prestige limited oh, series yeah. if he wanted to do. And I think he finds this more interesting. To do, I'd like to see him said, do that, though. To do these hit and run type of things instead of, yeah, and I think he will. He's still relatively young. You know, he's probably in his 50s. So he's still got another third act you know, of his career if he wants to say, all right, now I'm going to do this. You know, something more prestigious. <laughs> Nicolas Cage as Prince Harry in The Crown. Oh, my goodness. Maybe. All right. Maybe Prince William. Yeah. It's the hairline. I think yeah, you can work yeah, that out. Go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what should we watch? We got good stuff. Weekend? The Thursday Three. This is really interesting, Ro. Chicago Party Ant is a new Netflix animated series, a comedy series. Now, the, the genesis of this is probably something new. Chicago Party Ant is a Twitter account created by uh, Chris Witoski, who's a guy by the way. Uh, very funny. You know, he's done a lot of uh, Second City type stuff in Chicago, has written a lot of TV stuff. He created this Chicago Party Ant character who's on the Twitter. Her slogan is, if life gives you lemons, turn it, turn that shit into Mike's Hard Lemonade. Uh, and she's a classic, stereotypical, if you will, uh, you know, Chicago Party Ant. She lives in a condo where you can see the lights of Wrigley Field through the window there. Uh, she's been married twice and divorced twice from Kurt who's with TSA there at the Midway International Airport. <laughs> uh, you know, she's got a sister, Bonnie, who's moved out to, like, Naperville and is kind of a sellout, but they're still very close. And uh, she works at a hair salon, uh, and she likes Malort. And mm -hmm. there are all... We were just talking about Chicago stuff. And she's just a party gal. She's probably, you know, she's animated, but you think she's probably in her late 40s. Uh, when she throws a party at her place, she hires sticks to play the party. <laughs> Uh, you know, she's got a picture of the refrigerator, William Perry, on her refrigerator. Yeah. When she sees Scotty Pippen at an event, she talks about the one time, you know, uh, <laughs> just the tip in from Pippen. She's got a long history of, uh, you, know, yeah. uh, you know. I think tricks. I know this person. And she's very funny. But there's also kind of uh, some, some warmth to this. So you think, oh, okay, is this going to work as an animated series? Because it sounds like. A gender switch on the super fans of Bill Swirsky, you know, for Saturday Night Live 25 mm -hmm. years ago. And it does kind of traffic in the same territory. But it's actually, it's a really funny, you know, it's well animated in the kind of the, the genre and the vein of like Family Guy and shows like that. Yeah. Not trying to be realistic, Pixar-esque, but cartoony. Yeah. Uh, but great voice work. Ike Barinholtz, who's a producer on this, uh, plays a character. A lot of familiar Chicago's voices. very own, too. We just talked about uh, RuPaul in our last episode of Screen Time. RuPaul plays the the new owner of the hair salon where she works, and he's from New York, and he's going to make it all holistic, and she hates that because she just likes to do quick little shortcuts and move on. Uh, but it really does traffic in a lot of cool Chicago things. Of course, there's a tailgating party at Soldier Field before a Bears-Packers game. Uh, there's the Beefy Awards. You were just talking about Portillo's Italian <laughs> Beef, and the Beefy Awards uh, honoring Chicago excellent uh, take place at the Field Museum. Uh, there's a rib fest uh, and some of the stuff, you know, the references to Jim Belushi 
and Siskel and Ebert and things like that, people are going to know nationally. But there's also a lot of very Chicago references. A lot of local uh, stuff. And people can know. appreciate Chicago for something other than what we're yeah. known for this summer. So there's a Halloween party at Roscoe's, which is a famous gay bar in Chicago. Uh, there's a you know a, a, a trip to Rib Fest, you know, and things like that that are being. She goes to Binnie's, which is a Midwestern chain, you know, and she talks around the holidays about the ghost of Christmas Pabst, not past because <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon. So a lot of drinking, a lot of cliches, but yeah. we embrace the cliches because yes. guess what? This is what Chicago's really like. So it's called Chicago Party Ant, uh, Netflix animated series, and I give big kudos. Uh, to the Baron Holtz brothers and others who got involved with this and thought, you know what, this is more than a Twitter account. It's pretty cool that they turned it into a big-time Netflix animated series. And we can get that all at one time? Yeah. Or is yeah. it coming out weekly? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, you know, again, it's animated, but it's like a lot of uh, sitcoms. They're all self-contained episodes. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, the characters develop. You know, we get to know them more, the dynamic between them. Her son is kind of a blockhead. Um, he's been hit with a ball or a puck in the head at every major Chicago sporting <laughs> event. They show a montage of that, you know. And we know guys like that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Ball magnets. All right. <laughs> uh, what's in the Thursday three? What's number two? You know, and... I- we're not just going Chicago-centric here. These are the best things that are out there. And this is another Chicago-centric show, but also has a national appeal. It's a PBS documentary called Live at Mr. Kelly's. Mr. Kelly's was a nightclub in Chicago on Chicago's famed Rush Street right after World War II all the way up through the 1980s. But as you know, Ro, it had its heyday in the 50s, the 60s, and the early 70s. Incredible history there because this was uh, right on Rush Street you know people have heard about that that uh, street in Chicago where there were all these nightclubs the Playboy Club Hugh Hefner's Playboy Club was right. there but Mr. Kelly's was where you would go to see Ella Fitzgerald and you'd go to see a young George Carlin and the list goes on forever and they got Richard everybody Pryor was arrested there yeah Lenny Bruce uh, Sarah Vaughn uh, and they got everybody who's still standing to talk about their experiences at Mr. Kelly's, uh, Robert Klein and uh, Dick Cavett, Mort Saul. And again, it was also one of the first North Side, one of the first downtown Chicago clubs that would have black entertainers. It used to be South Side or North Side, and, and the, the ownership there, they didn't care about that. And the other cool thing, Ro, is that because it was built for performance, very intimate room, and they got this, they had a fire there. You know, once in a while in Chicago, there's a fire. Yeah. You know, it's accidental, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like early on, I'm talking about, I think in the 50s, when they rebuilt it, they installed a state-of-the-art sound system. So then artists for 15 years would record their albums at Mr. Kelly's. Muddy Waters live at Mr. Kelly's. Uh, Freddie Prinze's only comic album live from Mr. Kelly's. Uh, incredible stuff. Uh, and the history, they and they again, they got everybody. Uh, this is a story I never knew about. Barbara Streisand's 21 years old, I believe. And she talks about how much it meant to her to come to Mr. Kelly's because it felt like she was being accepted as a real singer. And there was a photographer for a magazine following her around uh, for a magazine shoot. And uh, one morning, they went on Chicago's Oak Street Beach and took pictures for the album. And it was going to be for the magazine, but she ended up using it for the album cover cover of People. You know, people who need people right. are the luckiest people. And it's an amazing photo because she's, she's got her back to the camera. She's looking out at the water. I always figured that that was a California beach, that we were looking at the ocean. You're looking at Lake Michigan. 
in Chicago. So there's cool anecdotes. Live at Mr. Kelly's, it's a documentary. You can get it on your local PBS affiliate. All right. And number one? This is one that I think you'll find interesting because uh, you and I have spent, I think, maybe two or even three days and nights in casinos over the years. <laughs> uh, it's what we call the card counter. Uh, oh. And this is from Paul Schrader. Now, Paul Schrader is a legend. He wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raging Bull. Yep. He's been Martin Scorsese's partner for decades. Uh, he did a great movie called First Reformed a few years ago. And he's often trafficking in films about severely damaged characters who are either looking for vengeance or revenge, you know. Uh, in the card counter, the great Oscar Isaac plays a guy who, you know, in most movies about gambling row, they're about really self-destructive, you know, characters, whether it's James Caan in The Gambler mm -hmm. or, you know, Edward Norton in Rounders or The Hustler. These guys, they have a great talent, but they have also this penchant for being their own worst enemy. This guy's not out of control at all. He's a card counter, which means he keeps track of all the cards at the blackjack table and, and methodically counts them so he has a small advantage, and he's carving out a living doing that. And when he plays poker, he plays with the math. So he actually finds solace in the world of math and control and gambling because he's used to routine for two reasons. He spent eight and a half years in Leavenworth, and the reason he spent eight and a half years in Leavenworth was he was one of the soldiers at Abu Ghraib who tortured inmates oh, wow. and had pictures taken now this is a fictional story but he's so he's he's dealing with the ptsd of being a war criminal and then a criminal but in both cases the military and in prison he's used to a routine that's why he likes to gamble but now he gets involved in a road trip and trying to make a lot of money fast and then willem dafoe plays a former military guy turned civilian contractor who schooled the young soldiers in interrogation torture techniques now he knows where that guy lives, and maybe he's going to turn the tables. And that's all I'll say about The Card Counter. It's a great film. Wow. And where do we find that? That's in theaters. Theaters only? Uh, yes, in theaters right now. The oh. Card Counter. All right. Reminding you that Screen Time with Rowan Roper is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com and produced by AmericanEagle.com Studios, a full-service global digital agency. American Eagle is providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. And we'll be back next week with all new episodes of Screen Time. Please remember to download, subscribe, and best of all, tell your friends. In most cases, they'll remain your friends based on this recommendation. Most cases. Maybe not. We'll see you next time.